welcome back to the Thai Pod. This is the ninth episode of the third season, and today we'll be talking about the American Sign Language. How was it created? Who created it? And how exactly do people learn it? You'll be surprised by how unaware we are as a society about this language and its community. So stay tuned and take some time to earn some valuable insight. My name is Courtney Kim, and I'm your host for today's episode. The first real progress in developing a sign language happened in the 1700s when a French priest, Charles Michel de Lepe, created the first free public school for the deaf, and he also translated the entire French alphabet into a sign language dictionary. In the United States, deaf education was introduced in the early 1800s, and Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet developed the American Sign Language. Since the development of the French Sign Language and the American Sign Language, this sign language has developed across the globe, demonstrating its richness and diversity in the world of sign language, proving itself to be a method of communication varied to vocal communication. Now, a stigma has always existed surrounding those with disabilities, and the deaf community was no exception. The prevalent prejudice against the deaf community was the assumption that they did not have the capacity to learn to the extent that normal students did. So here emerged two philosophies in deaf education: the clinical model, in which deafness was viewed as a disability that needed to be overcome, and the cultural model, in which deafness was simply a difference and something to be embraced. The method of what's considered proper education for deaf children and students has been controversial for decades due to these varying perspectives on deafness. Through some struggles and hassles, the deaf community did stand up for themselves and shed light on the truths of their experiences, advocating for policies and educational methods that truly helped them. So today, I invited Julia Craig and Marilyn Nguyen. Both are Montgomery County students that are involved in the ASL community, and we will be asking for their insight on various issues or questions that have been unanswered. Well, I'd first like to say hello, guys. Thank you for coming here so so much. We really appreciate your time. So we're gonna um, start with uh, a little bit of introduction. Can you both of you first introduce yourself a little bit? Name, grade, school, and connection to the American Sign Language. Hi, my name is Julia Craig. Um, I'm a senior at Richard Montgomery, and uh, both of my parents are deaf, so ASL is my first language. And I found it, and now the current president of the ASL Club at our school. Thank you. What about you, Marilyn? Hi, my name is Marilyn Wing. I am a junior at Clarksburg High School, and I started taking ASL in ninth grade. I took it for two years. All right, thank you. So, I first like to ask both of you. Um, Julie also already answered this question, but what propelled you, Marilyn, to pursue ASL as a foreign language um, in high school? Well, uh, while registering for my high school courses back in eighth grade, I didn't want to take another foreign language, but ASL was what caught my eye, and it was a language class that was unfortunately not quite popular compared to the other ones, like Spanish and French. But I believe that ASL is a language that everyone should take time to learn, and also my friend knew some sign language at the time, so I became interested and wanted to take class to learn and communicate with her. Well, Marilyn, I also heard that you took two years of Spanish prior to switching to ASL. So, how would you compare the learning experiences of these two languages? Was either one more or less difficult, and why do you think so? 
Well, the obvious difference between both of the languages is one is speaking and one is like signing and using your hands. And honestly, I feel like ASL was a lot easier to learn because you didn't need to stress and worry about pronunciation or grammar. It is mostly relied on just like, I feel like muscle memory if you know the signs or not, rather than making a mistake with your tongue if you pronounce a word wrong. And it was probably helpful that American Sign Language is in English in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. All right. So, Julia, your experience would probably sound a little bit different since ASL is your first language. So could you tell us a little bit about your experience? Uh, yeah, sure. So growing up in a deaf household, in a deaf household, I have two deaf parents and one older hearing brother. And um, for both of us, we learned how to speak from our parents, and our parents can't really speak that well. So we both had to go to speech therapy when we were younger. And um, but but we still try to uh, we we still try to um, learn English and ASL at the same time, since like both languages are important. Like ASL has cultural importance to us, and then English is just very useful in America. Um, and then in high school, I took Spanish, and um, and I'm really interested in learning as many languages as I can because it's just growing up bilingual. It's um, it's just always interesting to see different cultures and different aspects of the different languages. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And that actually leads me straight into my next question. What were some unexpected things you learned or experienced uh, learning this uh, quote-unquote foreign language that you didn't really expect to learn? Uh, like you mentioned something about learning about more about the culture. And so what are some things you learned that would that you consider very helpful to your life, but you didn't really expect it? Hmm. I would say that one thing that I didn't expect that I feel like I should have um, mm -hmm. is that ASL has its own poetry. So um, that's one thing that I didn't I didn't think that mm -hmm. ASL would have, but uh, ASL is a language, and um, so of course it, it has potential to to also have an artistic element to it. So like in poetry, and this this doesn't have a this wouldn't be useful for me like in. Um, for like a job or for like education or anything like that but it's still just like it still has like an importance to me because like I said like it is our culture deaf culture is based on is is pretty much based on ASL or sign language so um the, the stronger you are in your capabilities to sign um the more closer to deaf culture into the deaf, to, into the deaf community you feel, so it's like it's very important to me that like that I try to like uh, be able to speak in a way where like where like I could help my parents out or I could help any other deaf friends or things like that. So yeah, yeah that is definitely one of I think one of the largest reasons why uh, someone would want to choose a second or third language as ASL to you know be a benefit to the deaf community. Um, what about you, Marilyn? What are some things uh, you learned or experienced that you didn't expect going into uh, ASL? Uh, something that I learned while learning ASL was that it can come in handy in the moments where you're like least expecting it. Mm -hmm. Be out in public and there's someone who's hard of hearing or deaf who needs translating or someone like help of communicating. And surprisingly, if I had like multiple experiences out in public where I've encountered someone in the mm -hmm. hard of hearing community who needed help. And afterwards, after helping them, you just feel a sense of pride and 
you feel glad that you know the language, you can step in and help people in these circumstances. I definitely agree with you. So there's a common theme with both of you that, you know, learning a language, and this just doesn't go just for ASL, but for any language, many languages. So learning that language and identifying yourself or being connected to a certain culture helps you uh, be a benefit to that uh, minority community in a way. Um, moving on, Julia, I heard that you founded an ASL club in our high school. Could you tell us when that happened and what inspired you to make that decision? Yeah, of course. Uh, it all happened the summer before sophomore year. I was talking to my friends and um, a lot of my friends, I love them. They were very uh, interested in learning ASL once they found out I had deaf parents, which I really appreciated. And they really encouraged me to uh, to go for the idea that I had to, to found a uh, an ASL club. So my sophomore year, I founded an ASL club. And then of course, it's still up and running uh, to this day, right? And luckily, or fortunately for us, um, towards the end of my sophomore year, um, Mr. Jellen uh, reached out to me and told me that they were going to start teaching ASL as a class at RM. And then, um, and then junior year, when I met the teacher, he was a deaf teacher, and I really appreciated that because many don't think that like deaf teachers would be helpful in teaching um, ASL or things like that, since they wouldn't be able to. Um, hear what others say in English but and and that's just that's just very um misguided so like I really appreciated that they found that that one they they started an ASL class two that he reached out to me and asked me to um help him find somebody and three that he found a deaf teacher that was a new yeah. to me or an, uh, mm-hmm. that I didn't know about um what do members of the ASL club do during meetings especially these days with a lot of Right. So typically I have a presentation prepared for them where I have a bunch of words on the slides, but I will sign to them um, the words in ASL. So if there is if there is the word like water, I'll sign to them water. And then so then they can be able to see that the English word water would be this sign in ASL. Um, and so that's basically what we, what we do. And then we have review sessions after each meeting since we like meet weekly. And I basically just try to make sure that that they're able to remember um, the signs that they learn. And and I always tell them that like I'm here to help if they have any questions. Okay, very helpful. Um, so it's mostly educational and helping people learn the language, especially since when you first started the class didn't exist in our um, Marilyn, does there happen to be an ASL club in Carsburg High School as well? Um, I don't know if there's a club, but there is an ASL Honor Society, which I happened to join last year. Mm-hmm. But because of the COVID circumstances, like our activities, we were planning to go to the Gallaudet University mm-hmm. or some like meet up with other ASL Honor Society chapters. But mm-hmm. because of COVID, that was cut short. So mm-hmm. right now, our... Honor Society is not really active at the moment. Um, so did your Honor Society gear more towards you know, activities and learning about um, the culture rather than you know teaching itself because there was an ASL class in Hartsburg? Yeah, it was mostly about going and reaching out with other ASL communities mm-hmm. or, and trying to plan events to visit different places to meet up with other people as well. Oh, that's it. So we have 
two different clubs and different schools that are that are very active in this community in different ways, I see. Thank you so much for all of your input. Um, I think it's important for us to talk about the potential stigma surrounding the deaf community. I introduced the topic earlier in this episode, but I'd love to hear your insight regarding the issue. Are there any misconceptions about ASL that people need to be more aware of? I feel like I feel like typically since um, ASL and the deaf community doesn't really get that much attention and mm -hmm. in, in a lot of um, or that much representation in media, I feel like people typically forget that um, being disrespectful to ASL or to the deaf community is ableist and people tend to like forget that it's it's not okay. It's just like making fun of the Spanish language or of a different language. It's all like offensive. And, um, and th 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 I think that's the most common thing I see from people. They, they always, like I'd say, like accidentally be very like offensive. Um, and it's hard to blame them when there isn't that much representation anyways. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't hold it against them, but I always make sure that I correct them and that they understand that they're wrong. If they if they don't like apologize or if they don't accept that they were wrong, then that's when you know <laughs> that's a different story. But um, with with everybody that that I said that to, thankfully they've all been understanding and very like uh, sorry for what they've done. And if they know not to do that, then if anybody else does that, they can educate them, and um, hopefully that can help make some sort of a difference. Yeah, I think that is a very respectful way to handle any type of offensive comments towards a less, less represented uh, topic of any kind. I was actually very unaware of a lot of the information I researched through this episode today. So I'm very thankful for the opportunity to talk to you guys today and also get to know about more about this topic. Um, Marilyn, do you have any uh, experiences or insight regarding um, the stigma or misconception? Oh, in my experiences, I've seen a lot of people say like they don't want to learn ASL because they don't need it or it's mm -hmm. only for people who are hard of hearing or deaf. But I think learning this language is not only helpful for yourself, but it's also helpful for those who are hard of hearing or deaf. Like I said earlier, it could be beneficial for those who need another source to communicate. And this is a language without restrictions. Anyone can learn it, especially in today's society. It's really needed, especially because there aren't that many accommodations for the hard of hearing or deaf in public. Because like, for example, fast food, drive through some of them don't even have stuff to accommodate if they can't like see what you're signing or saying. And movie theaters, some of them don't offer captions or people see the captions and they get mad because it's blocking the screen, not knowing that there are other people who need it as well. So that's one of the misconceptions I see a lot. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So we, we are in, as a society, as a community, we are in need of more public, what do you call it, public services that would be a bit more considerate and helpful for the you know deaf or hard of hearing community. Right, I definitely agree. Um, well, thank you again, all for, uh, so much for your input. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot today from our dearest ASL speaker. So I'd like to conclude by asking one last question. Do you think that um, not hard of hearing or deaf 
or not hard of hearing or nor deaf uh, people can benefit from learning itself. Uh, you guys already kind of answered that question. And what advice would you give to those students in particular that are interested in learning ASL? I would say that ASL is a very useful language to learn no matter um, what no matter what disability you have. I feel like anybody could use ASL and find benefits in using it. Um, in terms of learning a language, just be patient with yourself. Typically, whenever my parents and I, we see people who um, who are just starting who are just starting to learn ASL and maybe they're not very good at it. Uh, my parents a lot of a lot of the times, a lot of people in that community, they're not judgmental. They're very appreciative that people are trying to learn ASL. Uh, like we're very grateful that people are interested in in this language. So be patient with yourself because you know a lot of people in that community will be patient with you. So as long as you just try to um, improve your improve your proficiency in the language and just try and practice, you'll do great. Thank you. Marilyn, last word. Um, honestly, I think this language is really, it's a beautiful language. It's really interesting as well. Like, especially for me, I have another friend who knows sign language and it's really cool and you can sign to them and no one else knows what's going on between you two. And uh, some advice for some students who are interested in taking it, just go for it. It's really like, there's so many resources online to help you learn it. And yeah, I agree with you, Julia. Um, when in my encounters with someone who's deaf, they're really patient. It's okay to sign slowly or fingerspell signs if you don't know a certain sign. Ask them to repeat it or even ask them to teach you the signs because it's really helpful for them and for you. You can learn in both ways. Mm. Well, this was a very, very wholesome conversation I think we had here. Um, again, thank you so, all so, so much for everything you shared. I'm sure um, I hear a lot of listeners of our podcast have a lot, a lot of things to take away, and I hope that it might even encourage some people to take it so they even consider it sometime in the future when they do have the time. Um, and I hope um, maybe some students might be interested in advocating for the deaf or hard of hearing community someday, or even now. Um, and I hope hopefully in the future we see more public accommodation for the deaf and a little bit reduced stigma surrounding uh, the community. And you two are very, very um, helpful and leading figures of that um, movement. All right. Thank you, guys. That would be the end of our interview. This episode of the Type Pod was hosted by Courtney Kim. The featured guest was Julia Craig and Marilyn Nguyen. The script was written by Courtney Kim and Marilla Prasad. Publicity and outreach by Courtney Kim and Marilla Prasad. Graphic by Valerie Wang. Music courtesy of Corrigan Peters. Edited by Radia Gabriel Produced by Marilla Prasad and Amna Shamim. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Type Pod. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you'll join us again. Make sure to check out more of our episodes for unique insights on topics like these. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. For those who would like to dive deeper into this topic, you can check out our most recent Instagram post at rmtidepod. I put together a list of fiction and nonfiction books about deaf culture and history. As always, a special thank you to our guests, Julia and Marilyn. More information about the Tide Pod and the rest of the newspaper can be found on the Tide's website, thermtide.com.